Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. I, I realize I misintroduced myself in that opening. I am Jarrell, the only person whose Super Bowl pick is still in the playoff at time of recording. Gentlemen, how does it feel for both of you to be so wrong so quickly into the NFL playoffs? I don't care. No comment. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Eli is pretending not to care. Meanwhile, no, his, uh, no. his Washington football team banner in the back of his uh, his room is hanging a bit lower these days. Literally, there's no banner. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I can see his uh, his Washington football team hat burning off in the corner as he tries to, to get to get through this dark time. Oh well. Okay. These lies. Okay. <laughs> Throwing it out there. <laughs> Thomas Brady, 43. Whatever. Gonna win the Super Bowl. Once a cheat, always a cheat. <laughs> Eli, it was disproved okay. by science. Okay. I was about to say, I haven't seen the, the documentary that came out, but apparently it has been fully disproven that he oh, could have possibly cheated by oh, science. Okay. By science. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. Like for, you know what, let's get, we, we cover hard topics on At The Well. We're going to cover this. <laughs> if you have a football uh huh, and it is a normal day, like yeah. average temperature, the air molecules inside the football will bounce around around the inside, therefore pushing on the, the edges of it, therefore inflating it. If it is cold, as it was when they played the Indianapolis Colts, those yes. particles will move slower. They will push mm. less onto the outside of the ball, and the mm -hmm. air pressure from the outside will push in, making it appear deflated. Deflated. Mm. I've got some freshmen who can okay. explain this, but for whatever reason, Roger Goodell thought there was enough cause to investigate my guy uh -huh. and suspend him for four games. It's something mm. that can be disproved with like middle school science. <laughs> still angry about it. I'm still very <laughs> angry about it. Love it. Love it. Okay, so he's not a cheater. Good for no, him. He's not a cheater. He's not a cheater. And the best thing about that, once he came back from suspension, Robert Roger Goodell had to hand him the Lombardi Trophy because he just went and won the Super Bowl after that nonsense investigation. Nice. Uh, I'm getting fired up. We should move on. Let's get started <laughs> with the question of the week segment. <laughs> if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during this segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. This question is also from our friend Jen, who asks us, what is something that is on your bucket list that people may not know? So I think everybody, I hope everybody knows that I really enjoy art, whether it's doing it myself or going to a museum. Um, but I've gotten really into calligraphy over the past, I don't know, say past few years, but I didn't really have the time or the resources to like spend a little bit of cash money on it. Um, like get the pilot pens, get the paper, um, get some practice sheets going until COVID came around. And yeah. So my, I think my bucket list is to do a calligraphy mural on some surface, some wall, somewhere one day, just kind of tag it with something absolutely gorgeous because Calligraphy is like words that have become art. Love it. Nice. I hope that happens. And I want to, I want to see that happen. Yeah. 
I feel like maybe I've shared this on the podcast before. I don't, I don't know, but um, I, two quick ones. One, I've had the blessing of being able to cross off something off my, off, off of my bucket list, which was a couple of years ago. I don't remember exactly when uh, Chelsea and I were just, had just started dating. So um, I got to go to Colorado for a week to ski. And, and that was on my bucket list to go ski in the Rocky mountains. Um, that was incredible. Um, and definitely something that was probably a once in a lifetime opportunity. But if I cross that off, I got to add another one. And I think now would be to ski somewhere in Europe, like in the Alps or somewhere, you know, in a place in a location that can't top that, that the, what the United States has to offer can't top, um, maybe even Banff, um, in, in, in Canada also would be a really good spot, but skiing somewhere like that now. Um, and then I think I've mentioned this before, but, uh, another one would be, I want to scuba, scuba dive the great barrier reef, which is becoming less and less of a, of a possibility because global warming is the worst. Um, but I would love to be able to do that. You are braver than I am. Like the Great Barrier Reef sounds amazing. I just don't mess with water. So I'm just kind of like, that sounds really cool to hear Charles talk about after he does it. <laughs> um, I think, I don't know, a real simple one that we've like talked about before is I want to go to Disney World. That's like not a really exciting one, but it would be really fun. Um, and so my wife and I have talked about like going before, going without kids once and then eventually taking them when they're old enough to like understand what we're doing and like appreciate it. Um, but that would be a really fun one uh, to go to Disney World. And then like, I don't know, going somewhere in Europe. Like I've, I've been, I've, like I've been on, for our honeymoon, we went on a cruise. We were at different parts of the Caribbean, but I've never been like across the pond, so to speak. So being able to just be somewhere, it's very, very different. Uh, from life so I guess like I, it's I'm not the biggest like travel person but those are two things where I'm like those are two things that I would like to do um, just to to do them there are probably more interesting ones if I like really really thought about it but those are the ones where I'm like yeah that'd be fun that'd be really fun and you know if you uh, want to send all of that the well to Disney World uh, you can become a patron Eli said multiple times that that's that he would he would be down for that <laughs> I have not said that the patrons should pay for that. <laughs> he says wearing his Mickey Mouse hat. And, nope, uh, nope, and nope. All right. Well, let's get into the Bible, shall we? <laughs> my, my slander of Eli is really benefited by this being an audio medium. <laughs> oh, man. That Mickey Mouse tattoo you just got on your neck really, really says differently. <laughs> oh, man. Eli's weird neck tat aside, this, this week's passage is from Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. If you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. As anyone who's ever worked a job for hourly wages would know, showing up late can absolutely destroy your earnings. Jesus uses this as this example in a parable of workers in a vineyard to encourage people to walk and work in light of heaven, no matter how late they are in doing so. He who has ears, let him hear. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. 
Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. When those came who were hired at about the 11th hour, they received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, am I, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for Daenerys? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Gentlemen, what can we learn from this parable? Okay. So this is my favorite parable. I love it to pieces. Um, again, uh, the landowner is God. Uh, the landowner goes out five times. He he does it. He does this weird thing. He doesn't gather everyone all at once, and he even asks the last group, "Why have you been standing here idle all day?" And they respond to him because no one has hired us. He responds to them you also go into my vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So these idle people were out there all day long waiting for work. And like the loan, the landowner says that, and yet he didn't gather the last group earlier than the 11th hour, which seems like to me to be a, like a purposeful. And this brought to mind the question, Lord, why do you wait to call people to you? Scripture informs us in second Peter three, nine, that like, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, and um, he, he, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. But like that happens at different points in times for, for, peop in, like, for people in their lives. Sometimes, and unfortunately not for everybody, there are those who reject Christ until the end. Um, but like all of us don't have like a particular day at which we all found Christ, right? But ultimately, we can't give ourselves credit for the faith we have. Faith is supernatural, and we didn't, like, come to it as a result of, like, thinking processes. Or it's not, it's, like, faith is not a purely intellectual thing. It's supernatural, and it, it is a gift from God. It's, it's a gift to the Spirit. And so in verse 15, Jarrell, you read, or is your eye evil because I am good? My translation says, or are you envious because I am generous? And so for me, the reason why God... Um, or one of the reasons why God sort of like waits to call people at different stages of their lives to really soften their hearts to his message is that it's actually going, it's a sign of like, this is God showing the depth of his character, his generosity and his goodness. Why? Well, there are going to be so many of us in heaven who um, are going to be telling our stories of when we met God. Um, some of us are going to say, Oh, um, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior when I was 12. I accepted, I, I became a disciple when I was in high school. Um, well, he called me when I was in college because of a campus ministry. 
Others will say, I was called in my 30s because of a podcast. Um, and all the way up to God called me on my deathbed, right? The thief on the cross. And all of us will glorify God together because of his abundant generosity and goodness in bringing us home. Like God is showcasing, look, from the moment you accept me, your home is heaven. Like the moment you genuinely accept me, your home is heaven. And I think God is more pra is praised more, is given more honor, given more glory. His generosity and his goodness, his kindness to us is more apparent when people aren't just like, don't have like some, or some birthday that says, oh, this is your Jesus day. It's like, no, even in your last breaths, you said yes to Jesus. Welcome home, my child. I don't know. That's that's my thought. I hope that was clear. No, no, that was that was very clear. And it it's not the same point, but it's kind of branching off of that. One of the first things that came to mind as I read this was that that the hours of the day in which the master calls the different people to work represent the different different stages of life where people, you know, give their life to the Lord. And that's you know, Eli, as you put, it's a beautiful thing um, that that's the reality that God would allow at any point in life from from cradle up to the point last breaths to allow someone to enter his kingdom if they accept Christ. And I thought also thought that uh, it points to how at any point in life, different stages of life, we can be taken from idleness into purpose, right? Like as Christians, we live a life of purpose and our purpose is as distilled into the two greatest commandments to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So it takes us from idleness to purpose and we can be called into that at any point. And that's a beautiful reality of the kingdom of God. I was also, I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I'm sure you have, and I'm sure listeners is the same for you. I felt very vindicated about my thought when I read my Bible commentary and it said the exact same thing. I was like, Oh good. All right. I, I'm not completely off base with my thought here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh that was good um no heresy today um <laughs> but uh, the other interesting thing that i did not come out come up with myself but as i read through the the commentary that i thought was very interesting is that in that passage or that verse that you wrote out um eli where the landover says am i um, are you, or are you envious because I am generous? Because, you know, the people who started first were like, what's going on? Why are they getting paid the same? Um, it's, I think, I think the, the commentary went on to say that this is actually Jesus kind of calling out our own self-interest and lack of compassion for other Christians, whatever their circumstances may be. Um, we're, you know, and, and it, there is something, I, I think like, yeah, we can definitely be that. We're like, man, I've been living as a Christian for X amount of years or X amount of years longer than this person. Or, you know, and we can put ourselves in the seat of judgment, which is not our place to begin with. But I think there's something about the lack of self-interest or, or the, the, that, that there's something self-interest, self-serving about that. There's a lack of compassion there. But there's also something about putting blinders on about the beauty of the kingdom of God and the reality of the generous and the mercy and the loving God who, who says, like, if you accept me, you have a place in the kingdom of heaven. You have a place in eternity. And there's something beautiful about that, that if we don't, it, that would be easy to, to miss and not recognize. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Because, like, 
if if God's gonna give you heaven anyway, which is the denarius in this situation, like you should be celebrating that other people get that as well. Like that didn't it, it it didn't all impede upon you getting paid. It didn't impede upon you receiving Christ. Like, and I think that's one of the reasons why God he allowed those who were hired last to be paid first in front of the other ones who had been hired before them. He set it up so that they would have the opportunity to celebrate those who were like paid, um, who, who were receiving the same goodness that they received. But it turned out like, oh, this reveals that your, your heart's kind of crappy and you're not actually about celebrating your brothers. To your earlier point, Charles, it's not just about loving God, it is also about loving neighbor. And that's a way that we can, that we're called to love our neighbors is to celebrate the gifts that God has also given them rather than be jealous. Yeah, like what God has to offer us is not a zero sum game. It's not a, oh, if I give a lot to these people, there won't be any left for these people. Like God gives uh, riches and abundance uh, of a kingdom of heaven. And yeah, there's a, there's a certain like selfishness that needs to be called out if we find ourselves kind of comparatively, like comparing that gift, like that free gift that we couldn't really earn anyway. Um, so yeah, there's a lot there. I yeah, there, this parable reminds me of a lot other things that we've discussed uh, here and just in other episodes in this season. This took me back to conversations we had about the the Pharisees during our first season uh, of candid conversations and how they were. We kind of acknowledged that they were quick to point out things that were about faith, in so much as it elevated them over others. Like they were very quick to say look what this uh, woman did in like adultery, look at these tax collectors, these sinners, these pagans, and so on. Like their way of going about like faith, quote unquote, was upholding the things that elevated them above other people who also were like Jewish people of the time. And how those are the, and so we also talk about how the Pharisees were the people that Jesus went really hard at. And I can see that here where it's like, yeah, let me talk about uh, everything that I've like done as a way to kind of elevate myself as like holy amongst like all these other people, as opposed to just receiving. And there, there's an important, there's an important uh, aspect to kind of point out there of like, yeah, this isn't, there is work to be done in the vineyard. But ultimately, like this is an act of just receiving what the master of the field owner has already decided he's going to give you. And so kind of a reminder to take that out of our hands of like, oh, well, I earned this, which like given it's a parable about like working in a vineyard for a certain amount of time, um, that calls those things to mind. But there's also like a sharp juxtaposition of saying, well, no, salvation is a gift. Like salvation is a gift that is freely given out of love uh, from God to us, like at the cost of Jesus Christ. And in the process of walking through life, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Like we are called to work in the fields and, and so on. But ultimately what we receive is not a product of what we've done. It's a product of God's choice to give it to us. And so we need to receive it in that way. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. there all, there's a lot that reminds me of um, a point we made in, uh, in, the, in the most recent episode in talking about the wheat and the tares and how one of the idols that can spring up in our faith is you know, doing things just because we think we're supposed to do them. And kind of when we realize they've become an idol, re recognizing, oh, we don't know God for who he is. And I see this here as well, because like for the guys who were hired first, there's this sense of, but I did the stuff. 
and I did more of the stuff than these people did. And so kind of sub in whatever you want for that. Like, well, this person uh, sinned in these ways their entire life, but they, and they like came to know you, like you said, Eli, maybe on their deathbed, it's like, but I uh, was an usher and I like played music or I sang in the choir or I led the youth group. I did all of these things like, and kind of leaning on the work as justification and it's like a, a method of like elevation. And it's just like, that's not, that's not what God's about. Uh, he like, he's not, he's not looking at your resume to see, did you do enough? He's looking to see like, do I see my son? Like, have you genuinely accepted the gift that I have given you? Or have you kind of seen the gift as something that like, I don't know, makes you feel more worthy or just like Christian flexing on people. I don't know, but there's something in there about like, what are you in this for? Uh, and can you rejoice with what God has given you and rejoice that he has enough of it to go around? I love that, Darrell. I, I think that's so on point, this notion of just like, how like how silly, how silly it is for us to like praise ourselves. Look at me, I, I accomplished this. God's like, but I put that on your heart. I gave you that opportunity. What are you bragging about? Like when we're 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 gonna be in front of God, even even the usher position at church is just like you wouldn't have anyone to sit down if I weren't filling seats for my kid, like for my <laughs> church. Like you're not impressive to me. And so just like what you said, Drew, it's like I'm, God's not interested in the resume you bring to him. It's he's because he's the one who gave the he's the one who established the good works for you in the first place. But it's just like do you have a heart for me? Were you growing in ways that I, or that I commanded you to? Like, that's insane. That's nutty that we're going to be called, that our, heaven is our home. Like the presence of God is our home because like we're getting rewarded for the work that God gave us to do, but we wouldn't have had to, we wouldn't have wanted to do it had God not given us hearts to. Like God's doing all the work. <laughs> yeah. He's doing all the heavy lifting. Like the, is. like another, um, metaphor to like agriculture like paul says like i planted apollos watered but god brought the increase when he's talking to the church and i think corinth um yeah and there's there's also something like you both mentioned to the timing in which he calls people and it's 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 it has a lot of parallels to like the great supper which is another parable we talked about of like the landowner going out of his way to like find people and bring them into it. Um, and so much to like, and in this case, like for the great supper, it's like, yeah, come eat this meal with me. But this is like, come work for me. But in both cases, there's this sense of like, there's something worth like being here for. And I wanna bring as many people into it as possible. And I think like that influences the way that we like preach the gospel of like, it's not, it's not just, hey, here's this, uh, thing I found that just kind of helps me cope although that's part of it it's like hey here's this thing I found that like gives me a great community yeah it's that's part of it but it's like here's this like life altering thing that does have there's a lot of work to it and isn't always easy but I'm convinced it's the most meaningful thing about my life and so like there's something about this like landowner going around and saying like this is like hard work but it's meaningful and I'm in to the point of like oh because we're not anywhere because no one hired us. And Jesus being so inclusive and welcoming and saying like, I will. Like, I think that what I have is so worth it that I will bring you into this, even if it's just for an hour. 
and like there's something that's so transformative about the gospel there like even if it's just for a moment um like that is so worth it uh to god and he kind of called us to, i think to have that same vigilance and like um intentionality with trying to bring people uh closer to him well that's all for this week thanks so much for listening you can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content. We'll talk to you next week here at the well. <laughs>